0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. but beam bada, bing, bada boom. No, no. Is that our intro song? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the second mini-sode ever. Listen, I have a revelation that I need to talk about, which is the fact that, did you know I didn't know that uh, teenage boys' rooms had a distinct smell until I grew up? When I was a teenager going into teenage boys rooms, I just thought every person, every household had a different smell. I was always too self-conscious about my house smelling like garlic and Korean food and kimchi Uh that when I went to anybody else's house, I was like, oh, like this is just a different smell. Like this, this house has its own smell. But then, then I got into my 20s and now I know that if you go into a teenage boys room, Uh it's not because that's their house's smell. Teenage boys rooms just have a fucking smell.
1: So, you're telling me yes. a lot of teenager boys have their own rooms? <laughs>
0: okay. All right, tone it down, China. <laughs> well, moving on. So today we're talking about um, how one woman, a mom, went into her teenage boy's room and she noticed a distinct smell. Let's okay. get into Jacksonville, Florida. We've been doing a lot of Florida cases. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, it's it's not that I wanted to. It just happened, okay? And this is the story of Madeline Maddie Ray Clifton and Josh Phillips. This what is what do the- you think
1: yes. it is causing? You know,
0: teenage boys' room? No, 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 no,
1: no, 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 Florida, yes. Florida. What- <laughs> is there yeah a reason does florida have higher crime
0: rate um or is it
1: just there's more reporting of it
0: I think florida probably has as much crime as any other state i just think after some weird ass reports of like alligator wrestling and some stuff like that Mm -hmm. now i think anytime there is a case that takes place in florida everyone's like oh florida florida which just like kind of hypes itself up Mm. like florida you know but like how many people are really really wrestling gators over there everyone's like every day every day bro it's that Florida flow okay (laughs) we're talking about Maddie Ray Clifton today and Josh Phillips this has been highly requested to do for like a YouTube video but I wanted to save it for a mini-sode because it gets so incredibly gruesome and I need to go into all of the details for this one otherwise it just won't make sense so Maddie Ray Clifton she was eight years old at the time that this takes place and it takes place in November November of 1998 don't click out just because it didn't happen yesterday so Maddie she was Was considered a tomboy. She loved all sports. She was a super tough kid. She was tough as nails. That's what everyone said. She was a bit of a badass. Like people said that she would be playing football one minute and then go to ballet class the next minute. Like she kind of did it all. She would she would take piano classes. She was vibrant. She was just well rounded. I mean, she was probably the most badass eight year old that there was at the time of eight year olds in the history of eight year olds. (laughs) And she lived in this cute little cul de sac. Now Jacksonville, Florida. I mean, I believe. Leave from what I know is a pretty safe town especially this area that she was living in was um, pretty safe she lived in a cul-de-sac so if you guys aren't familiar with the suburbs you guys are like I'm, I've only lived in New York City so a cul-de-sac <laughs> is when you get to the end of a residential street filled with houses it's just like a little round circle like a little roundabout filled with houses it's like probably the funnest area to play because mm. um, most of the parents let you play in the cul-de-sac because you can see all of the cars that come by is that what
1: cul-de-sac Means it just means a dead end,
0: yeah. A cul de sac, yeah.
1: Wow, really? (laughs) (laughs) I am today, years old.
0: (laughs) Cul-de-sac.
1: I thought I always thought cul de sac is just like a little little suburban area. I
0: no, it's like a in the suburbs, that little dead end. That but it has to have like houses, you know? It's not like someone can just drive by in a white van and just be like, Hey, come into my van, right? Yeah. Like you would see it all. And so Maddie, she comes home from school that day and she starts practicing her piano. Like I'm telling you, she's the coolest eight year old. I would never do that. And it's a super normal day when all of a sudden a guy by the name of Larry Grisham comes to the door, knocks on the door, and he says, Hey hey, do you want to go um, punt some golf balls? I don't know what that means, but you're just like in a field and you just hit golf balls, I guess, right? And so she's like, yeah, sounds good. She tells her parents, she's like, I'm going to go punt some golf balls with Larry and Does I'll be she right back. Him? Yeah, now what's very interesting is like, Larry, I thought he was maybe, you know, a friend,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: maybe a 10 year old, nine year old. He's 45 years old. Who is he? Larry is a neighbor, a Aww. neighborhood neighbor. But um, he, he's 45 years old asking an eight-year-old to hang out.
1: And the parents say, cool.
0: I guess so. The parents were just like, okay, just make sure you're home for dinner. And so she comes back almost immediately after, like within like thirty to 30 minutes to an hour. And she says, hey, mom, like I need some more golf balls. So her mom's like, okay, here's some more golf balls. And then she runs out. And that will be the last time her mom ever sees her. So 6.20 p.m. Comes around And Sheila Clifton Maddie's mom She just like Sticks her head out The window Because you know This was like Back in the 90s Where I guess Like people did that I mean I grew up Like running around In cul-de-sacs And she just started Screaming for her kids To come home She uh-huh. was just like Maddie Jessica And she, usually When they're out They can hear that Because they're supposed To stay within Like a certain radius Of the cul-de-sac So they'd be like Oh my mom's calling me For dinner Like I gotta go Bye right And they would usually Run immediately home So she calls out For her kids And the older sister jessica she was playing with neighbors she ran in almost immediately now maddie wasn't with her which is a little bit abnormal usually they'll like meet up somewhere they were hanging out at the same place and they'll walk in together so she's like okay well where's your little sister maddie Mm -hmm. and jessica's like i don't know i haven't seen maddie in a while i thought she was home she's like what what do you mean and she's like i don't know maybe she's playing in someone's house she's not supposed to she's supposed to be out where I can see her like on the front lawn like what do you mean she's playing in someone's house like what are you talking about and so they're like okay it's okay remain calm like all we have to do is if she's playing in someone's house go to all of the neighbors houses and be like Maddie it's time for dinner right so she's like it's okay everybody stay calm they stay calm they go from door to door they're knocking on the door they're screaming Maddie's name they're like Maddie are you here and eventually the whole neighborhood starts helping them search because they're like listen we're going to be a part of this so they start searching and searching and people were just I mean it was intense people grabbed their flashlights it was getting dark outside they had eventually placed a call to 911 and reported her missing because she's eight years old you know did they
1: go to the 45 year old dude yeah
0: and where was he he was home he was home yeah and he was like "Maddie's not here she left to go get more golf balls and she never came back
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And so, I mean, do we believe him? We'll see. And so everyone grabs their flashlights. They had called 911. The cops had come. I mean, it was a full on search. Jessica, this is so sad. She was riding around on her bike calling for Maddie's name. Aww. And um, a lot of the neighborhood kids were helping. Josh Phillips was helping. He was a 14 year old neighbor. And he was particularly close with Maddie, apparently, which, you know, I think is a little weird because he is 14 and she's eight and it's not like they're family members. But we'll get into that. So the search goes on for hours and hours and hours and finally it's like way too dark and now everyone just goes back into their house they go to sleep and the sheriff's department the next day they were like we're gonna go all out for this because you're talking about an 8 year old girl missing in her neighborhood if anything is gonna cause a suburban panic it is this so they start freaking out they start going door to door the sheriff's department and saying hey where were you last night? What were you doing around this time? Can we search your house? And so most of the people were like, yeah, I mean, obviously we know her. She's our neighbor, but we were already home and we were getting dinner ready. Like it's, we don't know where she is. Like how would we know where she is? And usually it's kind of hard to kidnap someone who lives three doors down. So immediately the police are like, okay, well who the fork is Larry Grisham and why was he playing golf with an eight-year-old if he's 45? Mm -hmm. So they immediately start interviewing him and all of the neighborhood people said he really likes hanging out with Children. I mean, I don't know what it is. Um, Maybe there is a meaning behind it. Like maybe he's always wanted a family, but then like he couldn't have children, or like maybe he just like had a kid and then lost the kid and then no one knew about it and now he just like loves kids. But he did have a record, he did have a criminal record of a lot of DUIs and some auto thefts. There were two counts of sexual battery. Both of those charges were dropped, but uh there was no indication that it was against a child. So yeah, it was interesting. He's still hanging out with these kids and he was interviewed and his entire story to the police was, what do you mean? So we were playing golf. This is my house and my neighbor's house. Now we have this little patch of land in the middle of our houses. And that's where I like to little like punt golf balls. And Maddie was there with me and we were out in the open. Any of the neighbors could have just stuck their head out their window or their door or through their backyard and they they could have seen us just out in the open. Like it wasn't like I was in my fenced yard with her. I wasn't in the house with her, you know. Mm -hmm. And this was actually only a few doors down from Maddie's house. Mm -hmm. So Maddie went to go back to get some more golf balls and she never came back and the police are like you don't think that's weird Well, no, because, I mean, it's probably dinner time. The sun was setting, so her parents were probably like, no, you're not getting more golf balls. Like, it's time for dinner. Now, they're like, okay, well, you're going to have to take a polygraph test because we don't really trust you, Larry Grisham, 45-year-old who hangs out with 8-year-olds. And so they give him a polygraph, and he does not pass. He fails the polygraph. Now, I mean, you guys know how I feel about polygraphs. I find them to be completely unreliable. but, um, But, like, this is why I'm not a detective. So they search his house nine times. Nine times
1: because of all of the
0: suspicious circumstances. And after nine house searches, 20 separate interviews, he even gave up his DNA willingly and he had an alibi for the rest of the night. No matter how much the police wanted it to be Larry Grisham, it's not Larry Grisham. Like it wasn't going to be Larry Grisham. It's not him. They searched his house nine times.
1: I mean, also the arrow, I mean, not arrow, for for something like this to happen, right? She went home. And he lives a couple houses down. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about that couple houses, no?
0: It's just so creepy. Yeah. And so Maddie's parents were especially confused because I think, you know, you maybe hope that... You don't hope that she's kidnapped, but you'd rather that than her be dead, right? So I think maybe they were like, okay, well, she's going to come out. Is she alive? Is she dead? Like, who would do this? Now we really don't know because everyone had their bets on Larry. Like, what's what's going on? And the police had to be stationed all around the suburban neighborhood because they didn't know if they were coming after the family in particular or was it children being targeted was it was jessica next like everyone was uneasy they Mm -hmm. just didn't know why someone would abduct maddie like what happened to maddie how does this even make sense Mm -hmm. so these huge searches when i say huge i'm talking huge they searched the nearby woods the swamps they got cadaver dogs sniffing around all the neighbors houses they had the u.s army reserve come in and go through manholes to see if she had like fallen into like the manhole somehow It was really intense. And so they started posting yellow ribbons everywhere to symbolize, like, we're looking for Maddie. Like, the whole community was rallying together and putting her posters up everywhere. It was intense, but still... No leads. Like the whole town of Jacksonville was talking about Maddie. I mean, the whole nation, I believe, was talking about Maddie at this point, but no leads. So the Cliftons decided to go on this huge press tour where they begged, begged on national television to get Maddie back. They offered $50,000 reward for anyone that would lead to her coming back home. They said that they could even consider doubling it if they could get it cleared somehow. And they just wanted her back home. Please, we just want Maddie back home, right? Mm -hmm. They had 10 billboards up of Maddie's face on there. There were t-shirts. People were wearing t-shirts to the grocery store with Maddie's face on them.
1: Wow. So
0: it's like, how do you like, let's say you did abduct Maddie. Like what's next now, right? I mean, everyone was looking for her. Now, about a week after this took place, about a week after she went missing, Melissa Phillips, Josh Phillips's mom.
1: Uh She was
0: getting ready for work one day and Josh had just left for school. And she was she had another frustrating thing that she was dealing with. Obviously, she's frustrated for the community, for Maddie being missing. But she was incredibly frustrated that her son, her 14 year old son, could not clean his room all week. She had said, you need to clean your room. It's so disgusting in there. How do you live like that? It smells it smells wretched in there. How do you even make sense like this happen? Okay, what's wrong with you, teenage boy? I mean, it was just an absolutely disgusting odor. Now she said this time was particularly the most pungent odor that she had ever smelt in her entire life, but he did have three pet birds in his room. So, you know, pets can make a lot of smells. And so she just thought maybe he wasn't cleaning up after them, maybe one of them had like an infection. Who knows, right? So she went in there armed and ready. She brought in trash bags, gloves. She was like, I'm ready to go. She got Wait, that the, yeah. the son has left for school. And she was like, I'm just going to do oh, it for him wow. because for this kid, he doesn't know how to clean his room. And the smell is just permeating through the whole house. And so she's like, let me get my trash bags. Let me get my gloves. Let me get my little Febreze. And she starts deep cleaning the shit out of that room. When she notices a damp spot on the floor, on the corner of his bed. Now this isn't that alarming because he has a water bed, which like, I don't know how those work. I just think that that's crazy. Water beds
1: i don't know is like, it like
0: a bag of water like a mattress shaped like thing it filled is. with water
1: i believe i believe so i heard like back in the days that like they promoted it's like the best thing for your body
0: they also promoted smoking for asthma
1: <laughs> yeah and they're like <laughs> it's so good for your health well being, wow.
0: I mean, I guess it makes sense though. I don't
1: think so. you're selling sense. me right now oh, I'm no. to
0: buy a water bed. <laughs> All I know is that every time we rented an apartment, they were like, You're not allowed to have a water bed, and I'm, I would always think to myself, Who the fuck has a water bed? I mean, that sounds like really crazy. And so she's like, okay, his waterbed is freaking leaking. Oh, shit. So um, she thought maybe, okay, this makes sense. The smell was so pungent. Maybe the water inside of this waterbed had been kind of mildewing. Like, is it molding? Is something leaking and creating this mildew in there? That's the smell. She touched the corner of the mattress and it was absolutely soaked. So she was like, oh, shoot it's it's leaking. She mm-hmm. lifts up the mattress a little bit and the water bed was actually on like a box spring and then there was mm-hmm. a little bit of a gap and then it was the water bed and it was in a bed frame. So it wasn't just like a water bed on the ground.
1: So there is a Like a spring Yeah like a box
0: spring Like you know Yeah yeah. And then there's like A little bit of gap Because I guess the waterbed Didn't fit nicely on top So there was just a little bit Of like a gap Between the box spring And then the waterbed Or I don't know If that's how waterbeds work There's a gap And Uh it's a bed frame right And so she's like Oh man She lifts it up a little bit And she sees that um, There's like a white sock Underneath this waterbed mattress And she's like Listen Josh How does he even get socks in here Like what is wrong With teenage boys is absolutely disgusting she puts her hand in trying to pull out this white sock so she can throw it into the hamper because she's about to run the laundry you know moms are efficient she's like i gotta i can't forget this sock and so she's pulling on the sock and it won't come out so she starts yanking it harder still won't come out which is crazy because it's not like the sock is so deep into the waterbed like she can pretty much see the sock how does the sock not come out mm-hmm. and then that's when she noticed some black electrical tape that was kind of holding part of the bed frame together which she thought was weird because the bed frame's not broken like why would he need this tape maybe he put the tape on there because the bed was leaking I mean it was just really odd like there, there was no reason for this tape to be there and so she's like okay it was probably he was trying to fix a leak and didn't want to talk to me about it so she Pulls the tape away and it gives her better clearance to pull on the sock. And that's when she grabs the sock and she feels something else. And she's like, Okay, this is creepy. This is some like paranormal activity. I'm not fucking with this. I need to go get a flashlight. So she runs out of the room, gets a flashlight, comes back in, and she lifts up the mattress, turns on the flashlight. And she said her words of describing it was like she couldn't believe what she saw, but she knew exactly what she saw. She had found the missing little girl.
1: Oh, my God.
0: From across the street.
1: That's fucking horrifying. I
0: know. I don't. (laughs) Shit. So she immediately calls her husband, you know, and she leaves a frantic voicemail. She's like, please come home. It's an emergency. Please come home. Now, he doesn't immediately call her back. And she wanted to call 911, but she was like, they're going to take so long. And she was frantic, you know. What do you mean they're going
1: to take so long?
0: I mean, it just didn't make sense because there's so many police officers stationed outside right now because remember like i said the police were all up on that street all week just looking for maddie they were giving protection
1: then so she's not ready to turn
0: no she just didn't want to call 911 she's like it's gonna be easier if i just run downstairs and get a police officer because they're literally parked outside the house you know just down the street so she immediately just starts running she runs down the stairs runs to the nearest police officer and she was they said that they were sitting in their car now this dude's on surveillance duty and i don't know how the police hierarchy works but i have a feeling that you're pretty low on the hierarchy if you're doing surveillance duty like you're not really like doing detective duty you're doing surveillance right you're just like sitting in your car drinking coffee making sure nobody like i don't know kills anyone in your little peripheral vision right and so he sees her running out of the house crying totally just like a mess bawling her eyes out can barely talk and she just keeps screaming you need to come to my house you need to come to my house i found something in my house and you need to come see it and he's like ah listen, I'm on surveillance duty. Like, I'm not a homicide detective. Like, what is wrong with you? And she's like, you need to come into my house right now, right now. Like, you need to see it. I can't tell you what it is, but, like, you need to come into my house. And so he gets scared. He calls for backup immediately. And together, three detectives went into the house. Because imagine, you're like, well, what's in your house? And she's like, I can't tell you. I can't I can't talk about it. Like, you need to come into my house. I mean, you're going to think you're going to die, right? <laughs> yeah. Even as a police officer, you're like, this crazy lady probably poisoned her lasagna and is going to feed it to me like something's wrong with her and so um they get pulled into the house and they start looking and she points them into josh's room and right when they open the door you know what they always say the police immediately smelt the smell and she kept pointing under the waterbed and she said like i gotta go like i can't do this i gotta go i can't watch this and they go they lift up the waterbed and they could clearly see two little feet in the corner wearing two little white socks And so they turn around and they ask her, ma'am, where is your son? And she said, I think he's on the bus to school, probably, if not already at school. And then it became a shit show. I mean, I'm talking like so many cop cars outside their house. Cops race to the school to pull him out, to arrest him. I mean, the dad, he comes home. He just sees cop cars everywhere in front of his house now instead of, you know, Maddie Clifton's house. And he's confused. He's not allowed in the house. And the mom, um, Sheila Clifton, she just said that she kept looking over at the Clifton house thinking like, as of right now, they still have hope. But like, I know that she's dead. You know, I think Mm. she just felt for them. Like right now, they don't know yet what I know, which is Mm -hmm. that their daughter's not coming back.
1: What kind of feeling that she's feeling right now? I wonder.
0: I bet. I mean, I'm not even a parent.
1: Yeah. Well, I was thinking like, do most parents want to have a conversation with their kid first? You know what I mean? What if the son comes back and say, oh, no, we were playing and then she fell and then she tripped. And that's
0: exactly what he says you psychopath <laughs> are you kidding. serious yeah that's exactly what he i mean okay
1: okay go ahead tell the story
0: if there was like a murder weapon
1: i don't want to spoil it yeah. <laughs> shit. no
0: if there was like a murder weapon or something i'd probably uh-huh. talk to my kid first like if they had like a knife with blood on it in there but if they had a full-on decomposing body i would call the cops but I'd what be if terrified. it's one of
1: those like how to get away with murder the someone new- trying to kill you and you self-defense and boom
0: Listen, if you're 14 and an 8-year-old girl tries to kill you and you kill her because she tried to kill you.
1: You've you've watched Orphan before, have you?
0: (laughs) That was like a 34-year-old woman (laughs) right, (laughs) pretending to be an 8-year-old girl. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think I would talk to my kid. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But I'm also like not a parent. Yeah. So I don't know. Because I
1: feel like most parents, don't they have an... I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that she turned him in. She did the right thing, right? But I mean, I. It's probably really hard And so Josh's dad comes rushing home He's freaking out Everybody's freaking out And at the same time Police go to Maddie's house mm-hmm. They knock on the door And they sit them down And the family said that Immediately they knew That it was going to be bad Because they had seen police In and out of that street Like they were There were so many cop cars coming in And when they had knocked on the door Their faces just kind of said It was bad news So when they told them The dad immediately said Maddie's dad immediately said Where did you find her? and the police said across the street
1: That's bad, huh? Yeah. They they were uh oh.
0: So Josh Phillips Let's talk about him His full name is Joshua Earl Patrick Phillips And he was the only child to Steve and Melissa Phillips And he had he did have half siblings But they weren't living in the house at the time So he was really just like an only child And as a baby everyone said that he was super happy Literally always smiling Just active, curious um, He moved a couple times and he made friends easily The only issue was that Steve was a bit of an alcoholic And he was incredibly strict Now I couldn't find any definitive evidence that there was any physical abuse or anything like that, but it seems like there was emotional and verbal abuse. So Josh claims that the one time that he had walked into his dad screaming in the parents' room, right? He had walked in on them, and his dad's fist was immediately going through a wall at the time. And he saw his dad punch a hole in the wall, and ever since then, he was just completely terrified of his own dad. Just never knew what to do. Like, he just was... Kind of like a tiger parent I guess Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there was just a lot with that Now at 14 years old he was there's differing reports. So all of the official sources that I could find, they all said that he wasn't a loner. But when I go on Reddit, a lot of people said, oh, I went to like middle school with him and he was kind of a loner. I mean, he was kind of quiet and kind of shy. Now, like news reporters, they claim that he was he had a ton of friends. He was popular almost and I don't know if he was they were doing that to make it seem even crazier that mm-hmm. he's not like that serial killer trope of like hurting animals when he's 14. It just seems like he was normal. Like it didn't seem like there was any huge red flags or anything too great about him. Mm-hmm. He was not considered rebellious he was just a normal dude now maddie's parents already knew about him not just because he lived down the street though so maddie's parents had forbid him from entering their house ever again now why would parents do that to a 14 year old okay well that's because one day they came home and they found josh phillips in jessica's room jessica's 11 years old so mm-hmm. you're thinking okay this is a romance this is a forbidden romance romeo and juliet no no Jessica wasn't home. He was not invited in. He had snuck into the house and he had stolen a photo of Jessica out of a picture frame of her in her gymnastics leotard doing a backbend. This was one month prior to the murder. Oh my God. Now, at the time, they didn't know that he was stealing that photo. Later, the police found it taped his headboard and covered up with like pillows and stuff. So he was, he kind of had an obsession with Jessica Clifton, the 11 year old. And it was really, really odd. And on another occasion, the Clifton grandma, she had heard that he was talking about sex in front of the two girls. You know, like when you're young, you're just understanding sex and you kind of want to like show off the information you gained in sex ed. Well, he was doing it but in front of two young girls like he's 14 jessica and maddie are 11 and 8 and he's talking about sex in front of them Mm -hmm. and the grandma overheard and was like you are banned from coming into this house what is wrong with you you know don't ever come back here Mm -hmm. and so they had even told joshua's parents about what happened and so they also banned him from playing with them because they were like we don't want all this trouble like we don't want any weird accusations like just play with people your own age josh you don't need to be friends with them like it's fine Mm -hmm. and then eventually of course both sides kind of loosen up because they're just kids you know Mm -hmm. and so um it just seemed like i think maddie's parents probably thought it was a little bit harsh to be like you can never come here because he was 14 Mm
1: -hmm. now
0: investigators did find some alarming things in his computer they found violent sexual graphic pornography as well as child porn in his room now, allegedly, he would break into the Clifton house on multiple different occasions to steal pictures of Jessica, specifically in her gymnastics uniform. That was like his thing disgusting. Now, there are some reports that say that he had a uh, made holes in the wall where there were crawl spaces in Jessica's room. Remember Daniel LaPlante that mm-hmm. we talked about in a YouTube video where he hid in the walls and then dressed up as his victim's dead mother to uh, like haunt them because he mm-hmm. was obs- disgusting. They think that he was doing some shit like that, but I couldn't com- completely confirm, you know, mm-hmm. so um, that's just an allegation that's out there. So they arrest Josh and he immediately just like admits to everything. They were just like, hey, Josh, so your mom found Maddie's body Body in your room and he was just like oh shit and his parents were with him while he was being questioned and the dad was like you just have to tell them everything okay like you have to tell the police everything that's happened so josh says okay well i, I guess i'll start with the day of the murder so Maddie said that she was going to come over to his house because she wanted to play baseball with him. But he said that he had a 22-item-long list of chores that he had to do. 22-item-long list. So this is, again, a lot of people are saying, well, this is why he said that his parents were, like, too strict because, I mean, a 22-item list is pretty long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, that's so specific. What I is know. it? Like, like old-
0: put your dishes away is one wash your laundry. No, wash
1: your dishes is one. Wash your forks is one. Wash
0: your spoons is one. Yeah, I think it was like that, probably. And so his parents always give him a list of chores to do because when he gets home from that time for them to get home, it's like a couple of hours and they just don't want him to get into trouble. And so they Mm -hmm. think that if they give him a list of chores, they can kind of you know, control him because he's a 14 year old kid. So a lot of people said this confirms the strict dad theory, but he didn't really want to do his chores once he got home. So around 422 to 457 p.m. they were able to verify that he was browsing various pornography sites many of them involving graphic torture so like BDSM but probably a little bit more intense watching those videos now around 5 15 p.m. he went outside to finish his chore list he was like oh shit well I guess I gotta finish what I was doing and he starts raking up the leaves this is what he says then he claims that Maddie came over and was like hey like I want to play baseball I want to play baseball so this kind of matches up with the timeline where they were saying she went to go get golf balls but instead of getting golf balls she like went to Josh's house instead of going back to Larry Grisham's mm-hmm. which is an odd thing to do and Yo. so he said oh okay fine like you can play baseball with me in my backyard until my dad comes home but like once he comes home you gotta skedaddle because I don't want to get in trouble because remember I'm not supposed to hang out with you I'm 14 and you're 8 And so they were like, okay. so he starts hitting the baseball. Now, there was about only a four feet space to hit the ball around, which is not a lot. I mean, it's a baseball, right? And so he's got his bat and he said that he's a strong swinger. You know, he's always wanted to be a baseball player. So he claims that he swung the baseball hit her on the head near her left eye. And she had this huge, just bloody mark on her forehead. And she falls down and starts screaming bloody fucking murder. Okay, this is what he claims. Now, he gets super freaked out because he's like, oh, my God, my dad's about to come home. And so he said that his first initial reaction was to clean the blood off of the ball, which is weird.
1: That makes zero sense while she's crying and screaming.
0: And then he put the ball in the house. Uh And then he came back outside and she's still screaming. And so he didn't know what else to do with her, but to drag her into the house and then up the stairs into his room. He said that he was so scared of his dad that he put his hand over her mouth to tell her to stop crying, which only terrified her more. So she started screaming some more. So then he freaked out. So he grabbed his baseball bat and hit her in the head with it. But she kept screaming and crying still. And so he kept bashing her on the head with the baseball bat until she stopped screaming. Now he realized, though, she was still alive because she was whimpering and moaning. And so he went and grabbed his pocket knife and stabbed her twice in the neck.
1: That's fucking murder. Murder. What the fuck is he doing?
0: And then it gets worse. Then he was like, well, what do I do with her body? So he opens up the side panel of his bed frame and sticks her, slides her in between the box spring and the water bed. Mm-hmm. and puts her in there he had blood everywhere all over him so he goes into a shower he cleans up and as he's doing this he hears maddie under his bed i don't know if she like moved i don't know if she made a sound and so he took her back out stabbed her nine times in the chest until she stopped and then put her back under the bed and pushed her in with his feet he even said like i pushed her in with my feet because like you know he didn't want blood everywhere i guess and 5 35 p.m parents come home they eat dinner together now, the the police, they're like, okay, maybe, maybe your story makes sense in theory. But we need to ask you a very important question, Josh. Why was she naked from the waist down? Josh claims. Well, re- remember when I said that I was dragging her up the stairs and like into my room? Her shorts and her underwear like fell off while I was dragging her her shorts and her underwear wow. fell off. Now, what's even crazier is that earlier in the interview, they asked, well, what about her shoes? And he claimed that he took off her shoes when he was pushing her into the waterbed. So now you're saying that her shorts and her underwear completely came off over her shoes yeah because you dragged her upstairs to your room i mean that's just really confusing don't you think and also her shirt was pulled up over her chest there were no stab wounds in the fabric of her shirt and she was stabbed nine times in the chest
1: oh so she was naked when when he was like her shirt was pulled up pulled up while he was stabbing
0: which, like, is just That's weird. weird. Yeah. Now, obviously, I don't think that they could do any, um, like, sexual assault testing because she was really decomposed by that point. I mean, she had spent a week under that waterbed, wow. and it was really, really bad. But they did find semen. Now, oh God. here's the thing, though. They couldn't directly, definitively say that he assaulted her because he was watching porn. So it could have been that he had ejaculated after watching porn and then went outside and then Maddie came inside and then somehow it was a transfer of semen, you Come know, on. but um, I personally think it Come wasn't on. I think it was. Something nasty. I think he was really nasty. And so he said that right after this happened, you know, Mrs. Clifton was going door to door just screaming for Maddie. You know, she was frantic. Mm -hmm. And the dad was like, Hey, you need to go look for Maddie with everyone else. So he grabbed his flashlight and just went around pretending to look for Maddie, even though he damn well knew that Maddie was under his waterbed. And they were like, And then what? You know, like, what's the plan, Josh? Yeah. And he said, Well, I don't really have a plan. He slept. All week on that bed, all seven nights, he slept on the bed. He never slept on the couch. He never slept on the ground. I
1: thought you were going to say, he never slept better.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. no. (laughs) And he kept putting tape on the bed frame because he started smelling her. And he thought somehow if he could close up the gaps better, he wouldn't be able to smell her. And he would light incense. He got like just bottles of Febreze on Febreze and just spraying them throughout the room. And he had absolutely no plan.
1: So he knew the day's going to come.
0: Yeah. And they asked her, like, why did you kill her? And he said, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I need some help to figure it out. So the crime scene. There were air fresheners and incense all over the place. There was a baseball bat. There was the Leatherman knife that he had. Um, tennis shoes stained in Maddie's blood. So there was like Maddie's blood droplets on those tennis shoes. That he had um, one of her missing posters hanging up on his bookshelf. So that leads me to believe that he's kind of a sick and twisted kid. Like I don't really think that this is one of those instances where he was so scared of his dad. I truly think it was something dark. There was blood on his ceiling fan that was about 8 feet off of the floor. And DNA analysis showed that it was Maddie's blood. So this means that these were either really hard blows or just really intense attacks. Like this was no longer, I'm so scared of my dad. I just need you to be quiet. Like he's explaining like this like, is... What are you talking yeah. about?
1: Like, not, I, I don't think his story ad- adds up. Yeah. So like, it
0: kind of like adds up with the actual injuries, but nothing else. Like the, the actual thought process doesn't add up. Some of the steps don't add up. But like the only thing that adds up is like, yeah, you did stab her in the chest nine times you know but nothing else added up and they also found the photo of Jessica that was stolen from her house they also found pairs of panties that were taken in for DNA they I don't think I don't know whose they were but they were taken in for DNA evidence now the trial this is where it gets crazy they wanted to try him as an adult now Florida will usually give the death penalty for something like this I'm telling you Florida and Texas do be wild and sometimes with that capital punishment okay but because of his age they said the max that he could get is life without the possibility of parole we're taking capital punishment off the table on this one which i completely agree with now the medical examiner confirmed that there were three separate attacks the first time where she was hit on the head repeatedly with a bat. The second time was the stabbing in the neck, the two stabs in the neck. Then there was stabbing in the chest. But he couldn't confirm the exact order. So, I mean, he's just saying that these happened. But I can't exactly tell you if his story is even chronologically correct. Mm-hmm. Now, the debate where the chest stab wounds were post-death. That's what they said. You know, that's what the medical examiner said. I'm pretty sure that the chest stab wounds, those nine stab wounds, were after she was dead already. It was post-mortem, right? But he's claiming that she made a noise under the bed.
1: Maybe he felt like he heard something.
0: So some people think either he felt like he heard something. Some people think that he just wanted to do a little more. Why? Because he's really into torture from his search history so I mean it's just up for debate I mean I don't think it's like a huge debate but it's just kind of interesting right mm, like what's or maybe, the yeah or that? maybe it could be his psyche that's like so paranoid now that he just like can't live with it right mm. and the injuries were consistent with what he was saying but what was the motive because none of that makes sense how do you hit a girl with a baseball and then now you're like well now I have to kill you yeah and put you under my waterbed
1: and take off the pants
0: yeah and take off your pants I mean none of this makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. So a lot of the trial was focused on, like, the motive, right? Because it just didn't make sense. Obviously, no one's debating the injuries. No one's debating the murder. Like, the murder happened. He confessed. Everyone knew that it was him. But it was just the motive. Like, is he really saying that his parents were so strict that he did this? Or is it because he's watching this violent, nasty porn, and he's just kind of sick and twisted and wanted to act it out on his own? Mm -hmm. Is he just, like, a crazy predator? Now, it got a little bit confusing because a doctor did find allegedly by frontal lesions on his frontal lobes, which um, a lot of the times can explain violent outbursts in teenagers because the frontal lobe hasn't fully developed yet. And if you've got these like lesions there, it can just like make you a little bit sporadic and violent and unpredictable. And they wanted to use this evidence in court to be like, hey, this is probably why this happened. You think that this isn't what something a normal 14 year old would do, but he's not normal. His brain's not normal. But the doctor who found that didn't want to testify. (laughs) So they just like didn't use that evidence. He lived far away and he was like, I just don't really, I don't know, dude, I'm not going to testify. So they never brought it up in court. And so, I mean, he really just, it was not a good look. Mm -hmm. There was no good excuse at all. So the jury found him guilty they sentenced he was 15 years old at this point by the way and they sentenced him life in prison without the possibility of parole and the judge told him i do not perceive you to be a child your monster act makes you an adult wow and he also went on to like really roast his ass and like pan fry him he said i am certain on your judgment day you joshua earl patrick phillips will be given a harsher sentence than i can ever impose so he's just saying like, you, you were sick and nasty and you're going to hell, dude.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: So it was really intense. Um, now, what's even crazier is that, you know how we were saying like, that doesn't make sense. His story doesn't make sense. Yep. Pretty much. This is what we knew as the public. And then later he tried to appeal his sentence. And this is what the judge had to say, which kind of confirms in a lot of people's minds that this isn't the true story. I think if you look at the evidence as it was developed, and some of this was developed after the trial and not actually even used in the trial, I think there's substantial evidence to believe Maddie was lured over to the Phillips home by Josh. She was not supposed to be there. No particular reason in the evidence that shows that she wanted to be there or interacted with him or went into his house. It looks as if this is a sexually motivated case where the defendant lured Maddie with a sexual motive involved. So the new speculation and the theory that a lot of people have is that he was raking or he had watched this porn and I guess maybe he decided to act on it or wanted something and she had gotten to get golf balls and she's running to Larry Grisham's place Mm -hmm. and he was like, hey, Maddie, come here. Or like he was walking down the street and was like, hey, Maddie, like I need to show you something. I need to show you something. And he lured her into the house. And I don't think that the hitting on the bat was to stop her from crying. I think it was... To just hurt her. I think either he had molested her and wanted her to shut up about it, or he realized after he had assaulted her that like, oh, well, I just like molested her. She can't go home. She's going to tell everyone and then decided to kill her. I mean, it's kind of all up in the air, but nobody thinks that is it's because his dad is strict. So in 2002, he appealed saying that this was... <laughs> this was a violation of his Eighth Amendment rights of no cruel or unusual punishment. And life sentencing for a 15-year-old was considered cruel and unusual punishment. So he appealed his sentence. The judge said, nope, I stand by the sentencing. Thank you. Goodbye. And then in 2017, he had a new appeal because 2012, which if you guys don't know, I did the case on Cassidy Joe Stoddard and those two, the teenage boys that went to the high school with her and stabbed her to death and like try to vlog it afterwards. Essentially, Mm -hmm. well, they could get out because in 2012, SCOTUS, the Supreme Court of the United States, ruled that it was unlawful to automatically send youthful offenders for life. They said that it's because the brain is not developed until the 20s. And if you're a minor, you have an underdeveloped brain. So you can't serve the rest of your life for something you did when you have an underdeveloped brain. So a lot of people all across the nation that were sentenced to life for usually murder when they were a kid, they're now appealing their sentences. Uh It doesn't mean that they're all going to get out and we all got to like lock our doors and be scared. Don't worry. That's not what it means. A lot of it just means that they have the possibility for parole and most of them are just getting denied right now, right? Mm -hmm. And so um. He appealed it He is considered a model inmate in prison And he is a Buddhist He teaches GED science and math to other inmates And apparently he has a ton of remorse And has apologized profusely to the Clifton family Now, he was resentenced to life in prison Once he appealed in 2017 So he
1: appealed and they say no life in prison Yeah, and now he's
0: eligible again in 2023 For them to take a look at it again
1: Do you know, was there any information on his parents as well as Maddie's family?
0: Like what they're doing?
1: Yeah, or what they're saying about this.
0: Oh, God, I don't think so. I think, I mean, what can you say? I couldn't find anything. I mean, I don't know if I can say that. I couldn't find anything out of the norm. It mm-hmm. was, you know, exactly what you would think that they feel and mm-hmm. how they're reacting. Obviously his family just has remorse and just is shocked. They're not mm-hmm. doing anything outrageous. Okay. Cause sometimes, you know, the perpetrators' families yeah. will do some crazy shit and Pretty you're like, like not
1: my son. <laughs>
0: yeah, and you're like, Really? Yeah. Really? Literally the Cassidy Joe starter case, one of them had CP, child porn on his computer. Mm-hmm. And the mom of that kid still blamed the victim who was murdered. And was like, do you think it's fair that he has to spend the rest of his life in prison? And I'm like, yes, I think it's very fair, ma'am. <laughs> Don't mean to burst your Karen bubble, but yes, I do. This is the story of Josh Phillips and Maddie Clifton. If you guys are interested, there's a really good documentary. Um, I believe it's called, let me just, it's um, a 48 hours episode called Why Did Josh Kill? It's really good. It's really intense. So let me know in the comments. There's no comments, idiot. Sorry. I'm an idiot. Um, but let me know what you think. And I hope you guys are enjoying these mini sods. That's a really weird ending. <laughs> I'm like, happy bye. No, we're <laughs> sad. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this mini sode of Why Did Josh Kill? Bye.
1: Bye.